Everybody, we're cutting in. Actually, Jack's here. Say hi, Jack. Hi. And Macy's here. Hi. And we just want to say uh, this is a opening to the opening. You're about to hear an actual intro, but we want to say you're going to hear us mention Jack throughout the, <laughs> throughout the first part of this episode. And we're, we're kind of wondering if we're getting Jack. And is he going to come on? This is my son, actually. He's a five wing six. I'm a five wing four. What I want you to know right off the bat is we did get Jack. Jack's in the house. He did come in with some heat, five wing six thoughts. So when you're hearing us allude to it, you're like, well, I don't know if he, if they actually do get him to talk about being five wing six. We do, and it's great, and you should stick around because it's really interesting if you're listening to my five wing four thoughts. Jack comes in with his five wing six thoughts, and it's like almost completely different. So this is this is the good stuff tonight, I think. So stick around. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Macy. Welcome to episode number 55. Oh, oh, oh. It is a drum roll. Oh, yes. I'm going to take it from you this time. <laughs> Enneagram fives? Is that I, what I we're think, calling I think, it? I think wings and variants. <laughs> Five wings and variants. Welcome to our Enneagram episode number 55. Tonight's one of those nights where we are on our back deck and there's planes and there's trains and, and there's sounds. automobiles. Yeah, there's automobiles. <laughs> there's boats. We see all these things from where we're sitting. Boats, trains, and planes. And cars. So, so there's some, some background, background noises. Noise. But it shouldn't be too distracting. I, I was I was struck by how last time we did this, I couldn't really hear the things. Yeah, I think it's very so. quiet. Okay, so welcome to No Small Thing. We love the Enneagram, and every five episodes do an episode on it. And so we are back at it with 55 with our next edition of an Enneagram episode. If anybody's listening now and has followed the podcast, and actually even if you haven't followed, but specifically if you followed, <laughs> um, we're doing Enneagram episodes, okay? It's every five episodes. This is sort of a core identity for us. We do like talking about the Enneagram. Love it. Um, Slash our... Like working in the Enneagram. We're doing the work of the Enneagram, so we're trying in to share that like journey with yeah. you. So here here's our dilemma. We we did numbers one through nine. We had an we had an interview for every type. Mm-hmm. It was really fun and interesting. And it's actually the episodes that get the most traction and uh, the most attention, the most listens. And we feel like we could go all in on Enneagram. Yeah, it'd be fun. But I'm wondering from listeners what you would want like we can go on meaning like we could we could we like we could start over and start interviewing numbers again true we could go macy and i've said we could go deep on variants we could go deep on subtypes we could go deep on all sorts of different wings we could go deep on just philosophy of the enneagram how to use the enneagram yeah like the the practice of the enneagram like the Enneagram beyond knowing your number in a How lot of ways. discover your number, the instincts, the stances. You know, we could do a whole episode on stances. We would love to also do some more history of the Enneagram. Yes, we did a history. 
So I think the the tentative direction we may be going is doing wings and variants of the types. So but like having the type and then kind of a little bit explaining how the type participates in the world with the variants and the wings. Yes. And so tonight, just as a teaser, and then I'll get back to my question slash pitch. <laughs> we're we're going to have my son on who identifies as a five wing six and I'm a five wing four and we live together, obviously. And there is a big difference, everybody. A so very I think this big is, difference. Yes. I think this is really interesting because you could be like, oh, they're both fives, but we're so... And we're so similar you in a lot of ways. You guys are so similar. Yeah, but yet, very different in a lot of ways. Well, and you guys are different instinctual variants, which we may discuss as well. Mm-hmm. So that plays out massively. I think instinctual variants may be just as like important to know as your number. Mm-hmm. Um, so here is my thing, when I, my pitch, is ooh. we have an Instagram. You can DM us. We read those. We respond. <laughs> we have an email address. No small thing podcast at gmail.com. There you go. Get in touch with us. If you're a friend of ours, you can text us. If, you, if We want to know what people want out of Enneagram episodes. Mm-hmm. Do you have any specific requests or any ideas? And if you have stories about your number, tell yeah. it to us. Do you also want more Enneagram, everybody? We do. <laughs> but at the same time, we want to we also want to keep the 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 variety coming of mm-hmm. topics. So we don't want to just become an Enneagram podcast. Because that's really not our thing. Right. But we do bring it up. <laughs> so it, we want to know what our listeners want. Let us know. Let us know. We, we really want to know. <laughs> Scott really I think. wants to do, know. Do I do. I do okay. want to know. Yeah, I think we do. Okay. So, so tonight's at Enneagram. We're kind of starting <gasps> the series over. We are. So when we said we did interviews, we interviewed ourselves for yeah. our own numbers. We were five and a four. So that's fascinating. And here we are again. For the first part of tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this podcast, it will just be Scott and I because mm-hmm. Jack's out being social. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Five going out and doing Interesting. being social, a rare occurrence. We really had to pay attention <laughs> to this because he, yeah, really he had to support it. it. Mm-hmm. So it'll just be Scott and I in the beginning, and we will be going just classic deep dive vibes. And then we'll have a conversation with Jack where we will discuss the variants. But I think before we head into it, do you still want to answer that one prompted question? What was it? I think it would be fun as just like heading into it to, in your own words, describe what being a five means for you oh. and how you would oh, how oh, you oh, would oh. define being a five. A five defining a five. Yes. And, and it's really interesting because we recorded our first Enneagram episode on Whidbey Island a little over a year ago. Yeah. Um, almost right at this time, actually. Maybe it was a year ago. Actually, yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I've learned so much since then. And and I listen back to that, and I am like, yeah, I'm describing a five. I got it. I understood it at the time. Um, but it's, it's more intimate now. It seems like, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you know. You talk to me when I'm seventy. It's going to be even more. Yeah. Oh um, my goodness. But I also like to think, as a seventy year old, you've gotten better at relaxing your ego so it's hard to even access i know i mean there's hope that there's hope that with a lot enough diligence awareness work that you can hopefully one day reach a point where your ego plays a low role and your essence plays a big role yeah 
Yeah. Uh, we, so everybody, uh, we we do binge a lot of books and <laughs> videos and podcasts about Enneagram. And uh, I think we mentioned this in our history episode, but watching this interview with Helen Palmer recently, and she just used that phrase, which has been sticking out to me a lot lately, which is relax the ego. Relax the ego. I know, just relax. Because people say the Enneagram work sounds like such hard, like really pushing and working. <laughs> and Like relax the ego sounds a little bit more like a yoga vibe. True, like true. Just... Just settle, like let it breathe. be, like yeah. let it go, and let yourself. Yeah, relax out. that ego. Wow, yeah. So um, we're trying. Macy and I both are trying to be less dependent on books these days. In the early days, we would be like, if we're going to talk about the enneagram, we got to get our book out. We got to look up the five. And I think, I think if we let ourselves describe it now, we can describe it in our own words. So obviously, everybody, well. If, if you're new to the Enneagram, here we are talking about the Enneagram. Maybe go back and listen to some other episodes. This is more of like, you know, uh, this isn't Enneagram 101. This is like a, 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 a two, what, is it, what, what did I say? Two stage, I 200 think level? In some <laughs> sense, we're, we are functioning and talking as if you already know some things about mm-hmm, the Enneagram mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. may have some insights. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean you have to, but it may just be a bit confusing. Yeah. What even is the Enneagram? We're not going to explain that. So, uh, so Enneagram five is the observer thinker. And, um, I guess the way I would say it works out for me, and and this is doing a basic summary is, um, it's really interesting to acknowledge this about yourself and to realize that you're different. I mean, that's one of the things about the Enneagram is you assume growing up, one assumes, I assumed that everybody's dealing with the same issues (laughs) issues yeah <laughs> and they're not or like seeing the world the same way you are and like focusing mm-hmm. on what you're focusing on yes and so I look back at I look back at my life and this this will be a little preview till later but um, I can think back now as a five but now I can think about as a five wing four and a sexual five as we call it and see a lot of interesting little patterns hmm. but essentially the observer thinker really is trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I think from the earliest age, I've been trying to figure things out, and it's what it's you're focusing on doing all day, every day. I'm trying to, I'm trying to ask big questions. It's what's going on in the back of my head. It can help, but it can also slow me down. You know, in a classroom, my whole life, people are up there trying to teach me about social studies or English, but in the back of my mind, I am literally being like, "What is school? What is? It? Why are we sitting in these classrooms?" And, and, and then somebody's like, Scott? And I'm like, huh? Do you have the answer? What? What? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're, we're talking about a certain topic. You know, but uh, you, can, you could call, like, I think to a certain extent I get a little nervous when I get labeled as an observer thinker or a five because it seems that maybe the um, assumption is that this is, a, like, a classically smart person. And this will be interesting to talk to Jack later because – I do think he is more of the classic five in the sense that he picks up on things really easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He absorbs information easily and processes it and has like long attention spans and can regurgitate information. Mm-hmm. And he's got a very nice organized mind. Yeah. You know? Jack more has scattered. much more of a sense of organcy. organization. Yeah. Or- yeah. 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 Organ- what is the word? <laughs> it's Which, there. I don't know if that's a fourness, but I do think fours are scattered. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little um, scattered. So, I mean, that'd be the four wing probably, but. I've um, heard many people say that fives don't typically do well in a classroom setting, but are very good at self. Like, I mean, they are like they're much better self educators. Yes. And I relate to that. So I think about this idea of our ego fixation. So people just, this is, I'll give a little taste in case you don't know what we're talking about. And, but that, that's just a phrase to say that like the thing that we're essentially fixated on all day as we're walking about the world, that is almost acts as a lens through which you engage life through. Yeah. So if, if you're a two and you're fixated on helping others and gaining a support system, I guess that may be a six, two or, um, you're, you're, you're not, you're compared to a five, your lens isn't trying to figure out the meaning of life and how things work. Right. It's more relational and heart based Mm -hmm. and that's your fixation. And that's what you're pushing everything through. Like when we talked to Katie, our friend and two friend on our two episode, she's saying she's never, she literally said never gone to sleep thinking about the meaning of life. That's like this is all I ever think about. <laughs> this is everything, which is maybe it's really hardcore naming your four yeah. wing too. I think the yeah. existential gap area. Yeah, yeah. So always I think questioning. Growing up, I was always yeah, yeah. I was always questioning, and it's interesting to think back and to to wish. I mean, I can make peace with it now, but I wish people would have had enneagram language or training and could have made space for my questions yeah. because yeah, I oh. was I was labeled by people friends parents elders teachers as like a, a high maintenance rabble rouser of sorts hmm. by just being myself because i'd be like why this why did you just say that i don't understand i was always like i don't understand say help me you know and people be like scott I, that was a classic hmm. that was a classic oh. thing that i would hear in this in a this makes my, my whole heart life, a little which sad. is very triggering i'd be i'd be locked on to somebody being like i don't understand and then and trying to get them to explain it to me, and I'd hear somebody in the background, whether it's a friend or my own brothers, be like Scott, like j- kind of drop it, you know. And yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't, You're, I'm I fixated. No, I need to know. Yeah, and I don't know if I said this. If I did, I could cut it. You stop me. I probably have said this to you, but this is a classic family debate. It's like an origin story, but I do remember being on vacation, and. Uh, and this, this turned into something that happened all the time, but I think it was one of the, our, all of our first memorable moments where um, my brother on vacation in Sun River, Oregon, had a, I had a Pepsi. I had a Pepsi. And my brother kept coming around being like, can I have a sip? And I said, no. And then he was like, well, I want a sip. Give me a sip. And I was like, no, I don't want to give you a sip. <laughs> you know? And it just turned into this like 30-minute argument. I kept having to say, no, no, no. And he's crying. And I was telling my parents, Sorry, Shane, if you weren't actually crying, I'm not telling the story properly, but uh, <laughs> there, there was a conflict. Yes. And and now I'm uh, now I'm st- kind of stomping around the condo with this philosophical question. What's worse, not giving someone a sip of the Pepsi or, or hassling demanding. someone that said no? Yeah. And I want answers. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody needs to tell me the black and white yeah, definition. Yeah. Or at least I need a sparring partner to engage in this big life topic. With yeah. Me. Now we're on vacation. Everybody else is focused on reading their book. Nobody, nobody cares or wants this to get into all that. I, I, would, talk about. I would probably get yeah. into that. And but it's like, all I want to talk about. And I thought it was really important. <laughs> How old are you? I, I guess I would probably be like 14 at that point. Okay. You know? Yeah. But that's not like this. That's not, that's an example of 
something seeping out. That's yeah. that's not an example of like this one time this thing happened. That's an example of what's always going on, and I brought it out that one time. Hmm. Hmm. And I and I'm like there, I, I want to be like, there's way more of this came from everybody. This oh. is just a, this isn't even the tip of the iceberg. This is everything I'm encountering. Yeah. So, yeah, as an observer thinker, <laughs> in good ways and bad ways. Good for five. <laughs> I think this will be nice for five. I'm just always going around being like, what is this? Yeah. What is a relationship? You know, somebody says, oh, you know, I mean, a thing that's really triggering for me is like a Dear Abby column or something. Somebody says, how do you approach a woman? And somebody says, here's how you approach a woman. You do this, you do this. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Is is that the way? You know, let's have a conversation, everybody. Is, you know, everybody says this is the way to do something. Yeah. I'm like, who says? Right, which I think is a, an interesting five element is that you're searching for meaning and knowing and trying to get to the bottom line of things, which seems like maybe you're trying to find a single answer, which maybe you are, but it tends to be that fives are open to lots of answers in that quest, Mm -hmm. like very open-minded, allowing all the ideas to like pass by. Yeah, my my son. He, he, theoretically, he's going to be on. I can't promise anything. He is a five. Yeah, he's a, a five. Teenager. Yeah, and he's fifteen, um, which is young for Enneagram discussions. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of fascinating. He has researched the heck out of Enneagram, so that's also interesting because he's going to come on as a five wing six, but he's also going to come on as a somewhat of like, an Enneagram expert. An Enneagram, <laughs> yeah, connoisseur. So. He called me out one night in a profound way. We oh, had, yes. We had a little argument, and we were actually, isn't this funny, um, listening to an Enneagram podcast hmm. on the way to the gym. And it was Ian Morgan Cron, and he was talking about his wife being a sexual nine, mm-hmm. and Jack, my son, did not like how this conversation was going. He's like, that's not a sexual nine. Hmm. And, I, and I was getting triggered being like, let's just hear where he takes this. And he and Jack was just like, no, he's wrong. And I was like, I was kind of getting upset. So we started an argument slash debate up into the elevator of the gym, going to the gym. I went to the locker room. I came back out and found Jack and started arguing with him. <laughs> and I and I know my mantra to Jack was like, I just kept saying, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. Like, hmm. let's be open. Like, let's listen. And Jack looked at me like with razor <laughs> clarity and said, maybe you're openness at all costs is a way of not being open because because you're so open you're not able to hear my point i'm trying to make to you and i was like whoa that was so <laughs> dead on i was instantly silent i was like you're i was like, like i I'm think gonna he's go. right <laughs> i'm going to go over <laughs> so <my> openness <laughs> it made me think that for the first time in my life honestly that openness could be a defense mechanism of some kind yeah or a way of avoid a way of avoiding maybe somebody's trying to make a point and i'm like maybe I'm like, but it's a good point and an important point. No, I think... The flight leaves at 7. And I'm like, yeah, sure, maybe. What's time? And I'm like, we're not doing that right now. The flight leaves at 7. Yeah, there, <laughs> is, there is an element where it's like, no, we have to live life and just yeah. kind of go along with some things just for the sake of, like, structure. Yeah. And, yeah. like, efficiency. Yes. That, that I, is, I, I know think, it. That is a... Fi- uh, a four wing element, I feel yes. like, versus a six wing. Yes, well, because I struggle too. with that too. Like mm-hmm. I can relate to this, not being able to look at real life details because I'm too stuck on, probably, yeah, questioning and feeling them. Feeling too. I mean, that's the four. Yeah. Sort of, sort of uh, letting emotions trump 
Emotions are the truthiest thing. The truthiest of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The most important, the most prevalent, the the thing that takes precedence, you know? Yeah. And I can true. get in that headspace. But I yeah, so all that to say, I think um there's been something that's a constant in my life of always wondering and trying to figure it out. And I know Richard Rohr in the early days when I was listening to him talk about fives and I was like, maybe I'm a five and I was listening and he was saying when presented with information, five's go-to response is always interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's non-committal. But it's so, from my perspective... It's, it's just the truest it's thing. It's authentic. Yeah. That is interesting. I don't know if it's true. I don't know what to do with it, but keep going. I'm interested. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe. And people say that, uh, that, that fives are skeptical of the Enneagram, and that's probably true. But at the same time, fives are looking for a unifying theory. Yeah, so that's true. I think I've latched on to the Enneagram for that matter. Uh, yeah, and I have a hard time saying fives don't like the Enneagram because, A, Naranjo is an Enneagram 5, yeah. like one of the, I don't know, major thinkers of the modern Enneagram. And then also, Riso Hudson? Richard? One of the two of them. One of those guys was. Is a 5. Yes. Um, I don't know. I think it's a hard time. It's, a, it's hard for me to imagine. All types would have a reason to not like it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, true. But one would like think it. this isn't how you go about it. And he would be like, you can't control me with an Enneagram. You know? Yeah, a four would be like, you can't put me in a number. Now, yeah, now, having said all this, <laughs> an interesting thing. This is non-scientific. This has not been set up in any way for any sort of research. <laughs> but we have an Enneagram. I mean, an Enneagram, an Instagram account. and Oh, the people that show up. The people that show up the most are the nines. It's true. It's true. So what is that? Maybe the most interested. Yeah. I also think it could be because nines have the hardest time typing that maybe they're really on Instagram and other spaces trying to be like, who, what am who I? Who am I? <laughs> you know? Maybe that is an interesting <laughs> theory. Yeah, I don't know. That is interesting to think about. Nines are like usually very like spiritual, mm-hmm. mystical folks. Open. Yeah, so I think that makes sense to me in some ways. Mm. I don't know. Curious about other people. Okay, are there any last and just quick descriptions of five things? <laughs> no. Isolating. <laughs> Isolating. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think another thing I heard, which was so true, is that, like, fives tend to like to sit in the back of the of the row in a classroom setting. That's definitely me. Yeah, like, I think, like, some random fives, like, fives are not stereotypes, but just, like, images is, like, I mean, fives are more reserved, shy, typically introverted. I've never met yeah. an extroverted five, but I mm. think they may exist. Mm. The cringiest word you could use for a five that probably holds a lot of truth to it is like a voyeur, voyeuristic. Voyeur. Somebody that's sort of spying, hmm. looking on to to looking on to scenes that they shouldn't be looking on to. Oh. Spying. This is where I am like, I hardcore have a five wing at times because I yeah. just want to be like... <laughs> unknown in a space but able to observe everyone and hear what they're yeah. saying and write it all down and have it tracked and like <laughs> now in that sense observance of our, human yeah our, our modern culture has made that voyeurism somewhat socially acceptable in the sense that like we have shows that indulge in that now like like survivor or others where you can just watch this whole thing play out True. and be like whoa look just at this garbage it fire <laughs> what do we call it garbage dumpster, dumpster fire, fire. Yeah, dumpster fire <laughs> of, a, of, of a human situation here and you yeah. can just observe it now i imagine yeah. before all that was out there fives yeah i don't know 
wanted they want to just be on the outside observing. That could be a little creepy. Yeah, I think creepy it can sometimes. be. I think it can be, but I think there's also I'm saying that in kind of a jokey you, way. But. Yeah, when you think about the enneagram in terms of like just the movement of the enneagram and the nine types, there's something so profound about one of the types essentially being someone who can look out and observe and see mm-hmm. and provide thoughts about what they're seeing. And I think that's the role that fives can play because they do spend so much time observing and stepping back and actually looking and seeing things. They're not lost in it mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. So when they do speak out and say things, it comes from a place of like deep knowing. So there's something essentially valuable there if yeah. we can listen and make space for that. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that, but we should keep this as the intro. All right, so that's we'll come the back intro. And respond to that. Um, so that's an intro to five. On the flippity flop, we'll yeah. be continuing. We're gonna, we're gonna next coming up. This is supposed to be a, a wings and a variance episode. So yeah, that was our little. That was kind of five-ish. I'm a five wing four, so I was inevitably probably representing more of a five wing four vibe. But now coming up, I'll try to talk a little bit more about what it means to be a five wing four and a sexual mm-hmm. no, five. Yeah, five wing four and a sexual five, and then. Most likely, we're going to get Jack on here to talk about five and six when we come back. We are back. <laughs> We're continuing this on. You said something at the end that got me thinking. I don't know what I said. Talking about, oh, I talked about you guys being on the outside, creepily looking in, no, but that being a gift. No, yeah, but then we were also talking about this idea of like, and, and, and we listened to the um, Sleeping at Last podcast recently, both so of us. So good. So Everybody good. follow Sleeping at Last podcast. And they said something that I found to be flattering and, and helpful. Like I was like, yeah, if people are listening to this, I hope they get this. Mm-hmm. In terms of like each number having something to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, Chris Hewitt said, um, they're, they're going to be more objective. So if you're looking for a nice objective viewpoint, go to a five and nine times out of ten, they're going to be right. He said, I don't want to say it's to fives, but they're mostly always right. And I was like, oh, don't, don't I say know. that to me. When but. I heard that in the podcast, I was like, don't let fives hear yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they are already thinking that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Here's how I'll launch into a conversation about five wing four. Great. My understanding is that the five, com- and I'm riffing here, everybody, because what we do want to invite you into is the riff, the riff and, and a casual conversation. So I would never, for my, my personal taste, I would never want this to sound too prepared. Like I'm giving you my canned written comments. Macy and I are on a back deck having a casual conversation about the Enneagram. <laughs> so that's, I don't know. But um, the five core combined with a six um, is is going to take we're all we're all in the fear triad here five mm-hmm. six and seven is going to take this core fear of um, fives needing to know conserving energy being prepared before they enter the world mm-hmm. and then sort of almost double down on that honestly yeah with with more fear and worst case scenarios so I think a five wing six and a six wing five probably are some of the most prepared people in the world. Oh, I'm going to yeah. do anything. I'm going to come prepared. So we talked about, like, Michaeli, our sixth interview, was the only guest that came with notes mm-hmm. prepared. With snacks. Yeah. <laughs> My son, when I hear about fives, 
is more of the classic five in the sense that he is not going to step outside the door of this house without being fully prepared. Hmm. Um, and the five combined with the six wants to know the right way to do something. How do yeah. you do it? What's the right way? What have the professionals said? This is also a social five. What have the experts said? I'm yeah. aligning myself yeah. with the experts. I'm learning from the experts. I'm learning from the best of the best. I have the knowledge. Yeah, it is doubling down on this researchy vibes, but with this sense that like there's an authority. Yeah. Which is a six thing. And then like you must follow in line with the authority. Yeah. That's I know. Very Isn't that interesting? And then, and so the four wing goes almost swinging hard in the other direction of like across the existential gap, <laughs> out the existential of the head and into the wild. heart. <laughs> it's a little wild. So, the so when 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 people talk about fives and listen to them, I have a very so like almost sad and complicated response to that because, and again, everybody, this is a free form. I have no idea what I'm about to say. I have an idea, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Um, I am almost the exact opposite. Uh, I'm almost offended by the right way to do something. Hmm. And as my thinking brain is going out into the world, thinking about how it's all done, I'm, I'm almost gaining a, a, I'm almost building a case for why it's, you shouldn't do. Yeah, why it's um, invalid. Hmm. Why do we Why do we build neighborhoods the way that we do? Well, because of this, this, this. I'm like, uh, not convinced. There's other ways to build neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. There's always a better way. Yeah. And then I definitely... You're searching for that. I definitely have that four-wing sense of, like, wanting to be original, never wanting to say anything that's already been said, although I know that's impossible, but there's some, there's an obsession of sorts. So maybe we can just say, yes. So maybe we can just say for four sake, the individualist, um, more emotional, more moody, maybe the most emotional, the most moody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you want to say anything about four so we can combine that a little bit? That may be kind of fun. I mean, yeah. So if you think about in terms of motivation, like essentially a four's, a four is like seeing the world and focusing in on, I don't know. It's, it's really complex. I would say (laughs) I'm having a hard time defining. I put you on the spot. Well, I just think for like a four, like a core fear or maybe motivation for them is fours essentially feel unseen. Mm. So they're doing a lot to feel seen. Ooh. Um, they're working really hard to feel seen. And I that's think. why originality is important because mm-hmm. I'm going to be seen by being different. Yeah. And fours are, I mean, essentially think that most things are against them. Like mm-hmm. it feels Tragic. to a four. Yeah. Like that's kind of the, the worthy way to be is mm. to be feeling like things are against you. And that's what it is to be and exist. And that's mm. just like. I don't know. This is hard. It's, being a four is sometimes sad and emo. Um, <laughs> fours are moody, which is so fascinating. So like a four indulges in emotions. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're feeling, a four doubles down on that feeling. And like, I feel energized by whatever kind of feeling it is, whether that's fear, pain, mm-hmm. happiness, all those things. As we're a five, 
usually runs the other direction, lifts into their head. So yeah. it's a very wild combination and like smashing of the two. <laughs> this five that's always trying to run out of their emotions, but this four wing that's drawing them towards it. Yeah, and Chris Hewitt's to acknowledge that this week. And we've already listened to this episode, but we listened to it again and felt reminded that the five wing four is so aware of the emotions, but their solution is not to indulge in it like a true four. It's, it's to be super spooked by it. Mm-hmm. It's there, but like, ah, you know. Yeah, it's almost like maybe the five wing six is om- it's a, isn't even aware of them, doesn't mm-hmm. like allow them into the space mm-hmm. as where fives are very keenly aware of mm-hmm. them and yet keenly wanting to detach from it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's, that's, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> so like a four is keenly aware of it and clinging to it. Yes. Now Richard Rohr said something also to me that was so, I guess I'll just lean into this for the sake of listeners, even though to me it sounds arrogant or I don't know, but, but to me personally, if I'm being honest, it sounded so affirming and life giving and great to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was talking about the five wing six, like fives are classic professors. They just love to deep dive topics. And that's true for me to a certain extent. Most of the time I don't ever get tired of a topic. Right. Oh, it's like my whole life. I'm trying to be like, gosh, we have to stop. I want to keep, talking about this, you know? <laughs> um, so Richard Rohr saying typically a five wing six would be thought of as an absent minded professor. Mm-hmm. So a professor that's so obsessed with their material and just kind of droning on and trying to get you the information. Yeah. But then he said, they're not, they're not emotionally and socially there with mm-hmm. you often. But then he said, because the five with the four wing is connected to both the heart and mind, they are the brilliant professor. So they can give you the information, but attach it to something that's important for your soul and heart. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I would love that to be true for me. <laughs> I'm not saying it's necessarily true. It is a wonderful true. title for the five weeks. Yeah. Year. I was like, wow, it feels like I have that capacity. Um, but I imagine I start with knowledge and then do want to connect it on a heart level. Yeah. You know, whether that's brilliant or not, who knows? But like. Uh, I like I, it was it was affirming. Yeah, it was affirming. You know, thanks, Richard Rohr. <laughs> I think it's so fascinating a five wing four in terms of thinking about your a five being withdrawn type and a four being a withdrawn type mm-hmm. and it being like doubly withdrawn almost. That yes. a five is so internal, but then also that four element is like this introspective internalization. Mm. So it's not just like your brains, like you're in your head. You're also probably in your like, I don't know, emotions in, yeah. in with yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I want, like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, maybe as we wrap up the five wing four section, I'll say, as in terms of how it plays out, maybe in my daily life and on this podcast, and this might fall under the heavy quotes, brilliant professor category is I do lo- love the idea of researching mm-hmm. and then saying some things based on that research that would connect with people and help them. That's yeah, what I'm doing you'll right draw, now. You'll draw a five wing four naturally draws the like research that they're doing with some human experience and kind of pull those together and share it in a way that is hopefully 
understood and in like bite-sized pieces for other people to connect with and understand. Yes. I see you do that. That's very nice. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, that, yeah, that makes well, sense. Honestly, there is not a nicer thing that could be said. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you're We're trying to put, being nice. you're trying to put an energy out into the world and you hope, you hope people are hearing it and it. seeing yeah. it. Yeah. No, I do see that. I see that for sure. Um, yeah, I think fives have a way of, yeah, absorbing so much and having this huge catalog of information, like a catalogs of reference points. So when something happens, they're able to make that connection to their reference point because mm-hmm. they have done the work. And so mm-hmm. then they can share that with us. Hey, this this makes me think of this and brings me brings me to this. And like that is the gift that they can bring forward, I think. But you know, so much of my reference points, and this is what I think the four wing is, is just as much like a technical book about habits or curiosity as it is a song that I liked mm-hmm. or a video I saw. Yeah, no, that definitely is probably your your affinity. I'm cataloging emotional experiences. I'm like, look at this clip. Look at this song. Listen to this. It moved me. Well, yeah. You know? I think that's also so interesting is you do seem to have like a a fascination and like a need to to experience a lot of heavy emotional things. Yeah. I think it's maybe, I, I don't know, but like a fives way of experiencing emotions through like an observance Ooh. kind of thing. Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, could be, could be. I, we're out just here chit-chatting. <laughs> chit-chatting. All right, okay. I think we're going to come up and do like a 12-minute section on the sexual variant of the five. Wonderful. So we'll make it quick and snappy, but we, can, we have some stuff to say. When we come back. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this rambly, introspective take on Enneagram Fives. I'm interrupting for a second to ask you to picture a Venn diagram. Maybe you're a person who really enjoys this podcast. Also, maybe you're a person who happens to have 5 to $10 a month to commit to supporting the No Small Thing podcast. Also, maybe you're a person who is looking for a way to support the No Small Thing podcast. If you're feeling something as I'm talking right now, it's probably because factors I've just described are merging to create a sense of urgency inside you. And the crazy thing is I'm here to tell you that there is a perfect outlet for that urgency, and that is Patreon. Patreon is a very clever and convenient way for you to financially support the No Small Thing podcast. You can commit to just giving $1 a month, or you can commit to $5 to $10. Whatever you decide, I know it will help scratch this itch you've been feeling to find a way to support this podcast. Seriously, though, everybody, we do want to keep this thing going, and we would so appreciate your support. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just head over to patreon.com and type in no small thing, and you'll be given very clear and helpful prompts on how you can support us. If you're looking for other ways to support us, you can rate and review us on iTunes or post about us on your social media platforms. Thanks for listening. We so appreciate having an audience to make content for every week, and we hope to be doing this for a really long time. Okay, back to my rambling musings about being a one-to-one, five-wing Okay, you all, we're here. This is the variance in the wings episode. The tiniest, briefest the tiniest explanation of variance. Yes. Okay. Variance. Everybody are this aspect of the Enneagram. Everybody has their number. And then that's like kind of a reference point for their key motivations. Their core perceived childhood wounds kind of shapes that ego Mm -hmm. fixation. Alongside that is your 
instinctual variant, which is kind of the way in which you instinctually chose to survive in the world. So if you're a social Ooh. instinctual variant, yes. then you are finding safety in other people, relationships, how you are in society. You're, that's a reference point for your safety. If you are a one-to-one or a sexual variant, then your reference point for safety is a individual one-on-one relationships with another person. That's where you seek safety, see safety, and as a result have developed mm. into that. This and is then really good. This is really good. A self-pres variant is seeking safety in terms of self-preservation. So what do they need to do to literally survive caring about things such as like actual like goods that keep you alive on earth mm-hmm. like your mm-hmm. money goods. your home Bartering, those kinds of trading, things are where your comfort. focus is in terms of remaining safe hmm. so some of us are trying to stay safe by saying well as long as i'm with this group like that'll be good yeah. or as long as i've got this these few relationships or this one per- person i'll be okay and another person is i'll be okay as long as i have all the things i need and i've set it up and i'm organized with it and i'm preserving myself that way yep And so we all have one of those that's like mashing with our ego fixation of our number. And then it creates this human being. Professor Macy. This little personality. Well said. Thank you. Very well said. So Scott is a sexual five. (laughs) That's such a five. A one to one five. So you are focused on one to one one relationship Mm -hmm. and that's where you're seeking your most Mm -hmm. comfort probably. Yeah, I have a lot to say about it. Like, Let's I almost have more to say it. about it than a four wing, but we'll have to keep it short. And it, and this is maybe the thing I've been learning the most recently. Um, and this this might <laughs> this might be a brand new thought. So I'm trying. What I'm trying to do is like I I as for for the for people listening, I'm still not quite sure personally where somebody like Beatrice Chestnut gets the source information to write about these variants. I think Naranjo and through interviews. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, so I think true, Naranjo true. and work in with people and doing Enneagram. Okay. Work so that's people. a great, that's a great helpful answer to me because maybe the best thing is for the types to explain and unpack what it's like. Mm-hmm. So that's how we get the information that we can put in a book. Yeah. In, in Beatrice, she has examples and people saying what it's like for them. Okay. So here it comes. Oh, it's about to rain. Yeah, it might might rain here pretty soon. I have to go inside. But um, here's how I think it works. You have that desire to, for knowledge with the five, that almost hunger hmm. um, f- to know and figure out. Mm-hmm. And then you apply that to a human. Yeah, that makes so uh, much sense. And that can be a beautiful thing, but a, also a hyper cringy thing. Hyper idolizing. Yeah. Hyper idolizing, um, hyper focus, uh, cons- all consuming. Need you know? to know mm-hmm. about this person. Need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Now the beauty is, I think I like to, I like to think. <laughs> oh, I guess only people that know me can say this. There's a, a, a almost an obsessive loyalty. Yeah. Uh, I would strange. say fives aren't very loyal to that many people, or yeah. I don't experience fives being loyal to a lot of people but the people they are loyal to they are very loyal to i can count my people on probably one hand you know 
and I don't even feel bad about it, but <laughs> <laughs> to me, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> to me, there's something very special about having a select few. I, I, I don't judge anybody that thinks about it otherwise, but right. um, I also don't feel like I have the capacity for any more than that. Right. As we're like, I've, I would, I would have way more than my mm-hmm. single hand mm-hmm. and I'm social instincts. Mm-hmm. So that does indicate something. So let me try to fly through this really quick. I remember being in the sixth grade and having my first girlfriend and it being a very sweet, wholesome relationship. Like I remember this girl like walked me home from school one time after we were dating for probably like three weeks and hugged me. Oh. It was like a hug. Very like, sweet. I got a hug. Yeah. So I mean the relationship was talking on the phone at night, getting a hug. Like it was a very sweet, wholesome thing. Now in the back of my mind, when we got to school, I remember there's this thing happened one time where her and her friends had a had a, had a perceived secret. Hmm. And I was like obsessed with finding out like what's the secret? Like we're dating, I should know. Oh. And I got hyper focused on oh, this. And fixated. she was like really kind of avoiding me and um <laughs> nobody knows this person, <laughs> but I still feel like I'm not gonna tell what I eventually found out. But all that to say, when I did find out, I was like, ah, I didn't need to know that. I, I went too far. Even <laughs> as a sixth grader, I knew it. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I feel bad I pushed that information. And I, I really pushed her to tell me. And I was like, I'm your boyfriend. I should know. Oh, and she's like, yeah. fine, here, here's the information. And then she told me, I was like, ah, I don't know why I obsessed over that. Yeah. But I like was hyper focused. But you it. needed to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, take a giant leap. Again, this is like relationships, but I had a girlfriend in high school for two years, uh, which was great. And again, super wholesome and sweet and such good vibes. Uh, but I remember um, going to California and my family was going to go to Disneyland during spring break. And my girlfriend, Andrea, she, she had no, she would have no problem with me saying her name. Um <laughs> Uh, was with her dance team in Disneyland at the same time. So I was like, here's this great thing. We're going to have this amazing experience. Like you're <laughs> This reflects that on me, not it. Andrea. So it's like, that's why I feel like not bad saying this over on air, whatever yeah. that means. But um, yeah, I was like, we're going to have this great connecting point. And to me, looking back on it and, and all through life, I'm thinking romance is is saying no to everyone else and yes to just us. That's so romantic to me. Yeah. And Andrea's down there with her dance team and she's like with her best friends. <laughs> and I'm I'm like kind of I mean I have no cell phone. I'm kind of finding her and probably stalking her a little bit and I'm like we're going to have our own day here in Disneyland. Like we're boyfriend and girlfriend. We're going to go around Disneyland and I I I just know she was like my friends are over there. I was like, what do you mean you're friends? You know, I was like, I just did not understand. And I, and I was very insensitive and very hurt, you know. And I do remember one of her friends coming along and being like, I'll go on a ride with you. Or I'll go over here. And kind of like almost attending to me. Probably like, like, oh, Scott's being high maintenance. <laughs> you know, Andrew's probably called this friend over. I'm like, can you take care of this guy? <laughs> you know, I want to go hang out with my friends. I, I want to go. <laughs> that is really interesting. But to me, personally, as probably a sexual five, like the most romantic thing is like, us against the world, like Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's nobody else but us. Yeah. And that does feel like in line with that motivation yeah. of like together we will f- 
they're like we will figure this out and we'll yeah. be okay together. And this is it, how we're, we're doing all that this matters. world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that can apply to a romantic relationship, but also just a friendship. Like, yeah, we're yeah. So that's why it's called one to one. Yeah. So that's how it works. Now I'm also married to a social nine, and holy smokes, <laughs> learned a lot and processed a lot now that we've learned these things about each other. So if you think about my wife, Marissa, who's amazing, we should have her on someday. And her superpower is the social nineness, which is like very three-like and it's very chameleon-like. So Marissa can go to a group of five-year-olds and be the star of the show, a group of businessmen and be the star of the show, a group of teenagers and be the star of the show. She knows how to instantly read the room, turn it on, conform, adjust, and and do it. Yeah. And everywhere Marissa goes, they're like, that was... She's amazing. <laughs> you know, and I just don't have that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm taking too long. He's like, he's awkward. Sometimes I can turn it on. Um, but my fixation well, is. you the, don't care to. I don't really. care. I wouldn't even care. <laughs> I don't care. You the know? only time you would turn it on is if you had to. Yeah. Someone was like, you have to. Or like if maybe a significant one-to-one person had said you needed yes, to. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I think back to my, a lot of my early conflicts with my wife. And I know Marissa wouldn't mind me saying this, but like in like the social nine has this concept of what you'd call the group in the back of their head, the group yeah. in quotes, the group. Yeah. And they, yeah. they, it says Beatrice would say this type has learned to pay the toll of whatever social toll is need to be paid to get into the group. Mm-hmm. That's why Marissa's so good. Yeah. And it's, it's an awesome thing. I'm not wanting to be in the group and I'm, and I'm also wanting to call attention to how silly the concept of the group is. Well, yeah, you're social blind. I'm, so I'm also like, social blind, so I'm not even paying attention to it. Yeah. So I remember very early on for almost 10 years, like Marissa and I would be in social situations and she'd be chugging along, doing her thing, winning people over, <laughs> uh, being kind, normal, <laughs> a nice human. And I would she's just, enjoying it. This is, she's having fun. She's not working. Yeah. She's, she's having a blast. She's having a blast making people feel good. <laughs> being a nice person. <laughs> And then I, 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 I think the word I would use probably is blurt. I'd just blurt out an awkward <laughs> statement or, or a, a random statement, and it would make people feel weird. And Marissa is like, I know on the other side, is like, you're ruining this for me. Shut up. <laughs> you know, and she's kind of looking at me. And, and I know all any married couple is going to like, oh, no. But, like, I'm the type, and I don't do this anymore. But also Marissa knows me, so she doesn't really do this anymore. But, uh, you know, Marissa is literally like kicking me under the table and I'm looking around you're and I like, go, what? why are you kicking me? <laughs> and she's like, Oh, even worse. Like now you're drawing attention to this. And I'm like, everybody can know. Cause I'm authentic at all costs. Like Marissa's mad at me. Everybody. Do you want to talk about this? Yeah. Everybody people get mad. What's being mad. Yeah. <laughs> what is being mad? And, and isn't this interesting that Marissa's mad at me? Do you, would you be mad about this? <laughs> Do you think that this is? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. But here, here's the other thing too. In that moment, I'm snapping, everybody. Um, everything disappears. It's instant. It's chemical. Something mm. happens, and, and, and something flares up. And all of a sudden, I imagine on the other end, for Marissa, it's the same experience, only her attention has now been directed to the group. Right, right. And she's like, I got to calm my husband down because this is messing up my whole vibe here. Yeah. So what do I need to do to get him in check so the, the good vibes can continue? I'm I'm going all the way opposite. I don't care about this group. I don't care about the situation. All I care about is Marissa, and we got to get good. Marissa, 
I'm making eye contact. Like, <laughs> let's deal with this. And she's like, we're not going to deal with this. We're going to deal with it later. <laughs> well, let's deal with it right now. You know, and that's, yeah. again, I think you could say the good and bad part of a, a one-to-one five is a, a borderline obsession you do know you're going to get prioritized, but at the same time, that can come at a cost. Yeah, and in like the literature of five wing fours, there is they often speak about how a five wing four has is almost always kind of seeing these people that they're putting at these high relationships as being so much grander or greater than they are. Mm, yes, which making I think, an idol, which I think. Obviously, it's like, oh, that's nice and sweet, but it's it sets that person up for a lot of unmet expectations. A lot of disappointment. A lot of disappointment, yeah. yeah. For the five. Yeah, for the five. Yeah. And then I think also a lot of weird pressure for the person they're doing that to. Yeah. And like a weird, like, I don't know. Yeah. I think no. it's fascinating. You do know. You're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> five wing fours are all, or not five wing fours, five sexual fives are also the most four-like. Yeah, there's been times where I have, like, again, I can say this, I think, because I'm not saying names, but coming coming home from a trip with a friend of mine with other friends in the car, and my friend said there were some memories we're reflecting back on from college years, and he said, those are dark memories. And I said, those are nice memories for me. Hmm. I don't like that you said those are dark memories. And now, game over. It's a hyper-focus on this person time, and we spend two hours arguing about whether that is valid, that that's a dark memory or not. I wouldn't do that now. (laughs) You have to go to that cringy, dark place to realize I never want to do that again. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I did get lost in that conversation, and I, I know other people in the car fell asleep during the conversation, and I think several times my friend is like, can we be done talking about this? Do I can't like, let it we go. We are going to figure this out. Yeah. Um, and I'm not thinking about the group. And I'm not even thinking about self-preservation in terms of like, this isn't comfy. You know, this isn't nice. You know, I'm just like, ah, it's really strange. Yeah, it's really strange. It does feel like a channeling in. Yeah. Like Maybe I'd in. like to say something to five wing four sexual fives as an affirmation to, to wrap up this. Oh, yes. Thing. I guess what I would say when I'm reading sexual five, five wing four stuff, there are cringy elements, just as I imagine there's cringy elements to every type. Yeah. Invariant and wing. Um, I do really love this loyalty element and I believe in it. Hmm. I'm not saying everybody should be like that, but I am saying if we all bring something, um, I think the, one to one five is going to be one of the most and maybe one to ones in general. Yeah. Yeah. That might be true to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, they're placing so much value in that relationship. They're, they're caring deeply Their Their safety depends on it. Mm-hmm. I do want so badly to know for people that I've chosen as friends to know how special they are, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I find, uh, I mean, again, I'm trying to speak. <laughs> this five is getting too emotional. I'm emotional. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to say something that would be cathartic for other five-wing fours, sexual fives, but um, a, a, a true friend or a true connection is so 
um, uh, what was the word I'd want to use? Rare. When it happens, it's very special. Yeah, so they're, they're not taking it for granted. Not taking it for granted. I, I don't want somebody to know, like, I just like people, and I like everybody, and you're a friend, and everybody's a friend, and I want, I want people to know, like, you're my friend. Yeah. And it means a lot. And um, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Uh, at the same time, and I think this might be cathartic for Forrest, too, it doesn't come with a lot of responsibilities. I don't have a lot of expectations. I just want, I, I for some reason, and this could be unique to me, but it could be a five thing. I, 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 want, I want people to know. I want people to know that they're important to me. Hmm. The ones that are. The ones that are. Not, you can just let them know. I, I try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so many thoughts, but we'll probably have to edit it out. This is just an, a lovely testament of how complicated the human experience is mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how the Enneagram gives us wonderful language for aspects of ourselves and then it deepens. It gives us more language. And yeah. we're all, we're all, of course, unique and your story is uniquely yours, and yet I do think it will speak to. I hope so. I hope we hope it. I hope so by just talking doing. about myself that it's true. I think and it will. starts a discussion, but yeah. Because I can relate to some of these things, and yet I also like totally can't. Well, I'll say this, and this might be kind of a funny note to end on because I think five wing fours and definitely sexual fives will be able to relate to this. But a worst case scenario to me, and this has happened my whole life. But there are certain people that I won't call out on this podcast who I consider friends that do this. And honestly, I don't even know if I have a close one-to-one friend. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I don't think I do. Which maybe wouldn't know. even be healthy. Who knows? Maybe yeah, it'd be too obsessive. Maybe too zoned in. Yeah, but um, a friend who I know we're close and says would love to do this thing with you. This this happened more in the early days. This doesn't happen as much because I, I do think people know me now, so they're very kindly, almost overly, especially now that we've done this podcast, people are really aware. He's a five. He's an introvert. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but um, somebody would say, I want to do this thing. Come meet me here. Come do this. Come do this. And I'd be on my way, and I'd get a text. Also, these people are here. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, you I hate this it was when, you and me. You hate it when... Uh, an individual the thing group. becomes We're a group We're all thing. doing something fun. Oh, I also invited this person. I'm like, I'm not coming then. <laughs> I thought this was about you and me. I'm not interested. <laughs> no judgment. Fun for you. I don't like this idea. We're all just we're all just getting together. We're, oh, I, it's a free form. I know, I know. <laughs> I really do love it. It's him. a free form walk in the door. I do this probably I, to you. Well, I know, and I know, and I and I'm aware of myself, <laughs> and I know this isn't I do this necessarily the right mode to be in the world. So I'm not like. As a, as as a as a as adult approaching forty, I'm not like indulging in these thoughts, but I do am cognizant of my disappointment. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, like I with the close people, like my wife Marissa. I I, I I'm only interested in hanging out with Marissa. Well, yeah, and even in your own family, you'd prefer just one on one. Right, with right. Your I want to hang out with my my daughter. I want to hang out with my son. But I try to. <laughs> this sounds so terrible. But I'm like. <coughs> I'm not that interested in hanging out as a family. I'm just not that person. And Marissa, my wife, is a social night. Is definitely like, let's. She's like, we're together as a family. And I'm like, ah, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> I don't even know what this is. What is it? Because all I've, I want to be, I, I want to be like individual. I'm like, Jack, how are you doing, Avery? How are you doing? You know, I, 
the group is oh, hard for me. Oh, but the group vibe, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, we so we didn't even get what it means to necessarily be blind to a certain one of these things, but I am socially blind. Self-pres is my stacking. That's a whole other topic, <laughs> but... Yeah. yeah, the struggle's real, everybody. The, the 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 gifts and the the things that we contribute are real. Each type contributes something I think important, but the struggles and the blind spots are also real. Yeah, and there's real growth there. Yeah. 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 All right, so so everybody, when we come back, we may or may not be talking to my son Jack, who's a five wing sex. We're gonna see. We're about we'll to get, go pick him up. It'll be interesting to have a juxtaposition here. Like, is he going to come? Yeah. It's truly a five. It's a five wing six dilemma. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Let me come back. Okay, we are back, and Jack is with us. Jack is here. Jack's Hi. in the building. Um, don't mash it against the table, because that might ruin the mic. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good. He's here. We, we, we actually it. got him. We have two fives at the table, and we're about to divulge. We've gotten a lot of emotional talk about fives earlier, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're now yeah, the about emotional to... Element. We're now heading into detachment land. <laughs> Thumbs up from Jack. All right. So we're going to hear from you, Jack, uh, to start about what are your memories of hearing about the Enneagram and finding out your number? Just take us on your journey. Okay. So I think I found out about the Enneagram about three years ago or so. I forget exactly how it happened, but I'm pretty sure my dad was just talking about like something he had found out from a friend. And he brought home, like, this book on the Enneagram that went, like, pretty in-depth on... Which book is it? All the types. It was The Wisdom of the Enneagram. It's the Wisdom. But, you know, just, like, had them all nice and laid out in categories, which <laughs> I'll say it now, I really like. But, you know, I just read that, like, hours and hours every day. And, you know, it just was so interesting. But I don't think I gave too much thought in the beginning to what I was, just because... You know, I have a tendency not to be super introspective. But, um, yeah, eventually, of course, I got interested in, like, what I was, considering how, like, most of the people in my family at that point had, like, some idea of what they were. So, yeah, I just kind of got into, like, taking some of the tests, which aren't super reliable, but, you know, they give a good idea, and just kind of read more, and I settled somewhat on Five Wing Six. I don't like to say that is, like... Yes, I am definitively this, but I think that's the best, like, descriptor of what I am. So, yeah. And that means you discovered it when you were 12-ish? 13-ish? Yes. Wow to think about Probably, it. like... We've been doing the Enneagram for a while. Early 13s. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, it is a young age yeah. to, like, say what number you are. Oh, of course. Like, I mean, I think at that age, like, the Enneagram or at least from what I have read, there is a nurture component to it. Like, I don't think it's just 100% nature, but I do think that is a big part of it. For example, I've always been, like, pretty introverted and, like, 
knowledge seeking, which are very generalized, but to traits of a five, which is part of why that like my first instinct was to be like, that's what I am. But yeah, I don't know. I think at that age, it is somewhat dangerous to settle on like a type, but still. Yeah. You know, uh, my, my instinct is to want to ask you about the emotions you felt as you were reading the wisdom of the Enneagram. But what I'll ask you instead is what <laughs> I don't even know how to phrase the question without emotions. But <laughs> what what was the experience like? Like your th- move it to the emotion to your brain, like something a, a curiosity feeling you felt compelled to look at the wisdom. To keep and read reading it. it. And Why are you still going. reading it so hard? Yeah. I, I almost see it as like. Like the information I was gathering from that, it's almost like like a really addicting like food or something. Mm. Like you like take a bite of it or just like get, read a little bit into this one subject and it's like, oh, dang, that was pretty good. So then you kind of just like slowly keep taking it in and keep taking it in until eventually, you know, you've eaten the whole bag of knowledge, <laughs> which in this case is the wisdom of the Enneagram. Yeah. It's oh, kind of how you approach. I love that yes. image of like somebody binging on like a bag of chips and being like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're like binging on the wisdom of the Enneagram by go, oh, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> Time for bed. It's food. It's fueling. Yes. Like the knowledge is fueling. Exactly. Yeah. So in your mind, what do you, what would, what would you say are some differences between five wing four, five wing six? I think five wing fours are, I mean, obviously a lot more emotional, you know, like fours are some of the, like the most emotionally conscious types, or at least like the most emotionally oriented types. And I think with the four, with the five, that makes them a lot more just introspective altogether. Whereas sixes are very outward focused and, Mm -hmm focused on like what could go wrong in the outside world as opposed to what's going on inside. So I think that kind of almost goes against like the like internalized deep nature of the five, Mm -hmm. which kind of makes it like very hard to actually like go deep into your like emotions. But, you know, I think they do have something to offer in that they can be or at least from my experience, it seems like five wing sixes have a tendency to be more practical than five wing fours. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, like no offense to my dad here who is a five wing four, but like (laughs) it's infuriating when you are just like just so ridiculously inefficient and impractical when you're going after Knowledge, like I, I understand the feeling of like wanting to learn something just for the sake of learning, but like, like just the things you do, they don't make sense. <laughs> it's this would just be so they're just it completely irrational. Yeah, you, what's an example? Do you think? I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example here of just music or art or movies or what podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe maybe something you're just considering ge- in general is my 
curiosity around emotions and oh the emotional yes landscape no I find thinking about your own emotional landscape and your own emotions in general is just worthless you're like it's I not mean worth okay it, I can understand I, I want to be I'd like to be sympathetic about like <laughs> like to the you're sympathetic to me Jack need Martin. of like yeah. like the interests of other people in that emotional thing and I think it does go along with the five thing of wanting to gather more information on yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I detest. However, I, I, <laughs> I understand that like someone like my dad would be very oriented towards that and would be very attracted to something like that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, I think I find it just like, like, why? What do you get out of it? <laughs> this is so just fascinating just in the fact that it's like you guys really are very similar in your fiveness and mm-hmm. I think it would be probably good for people to hear maybe like because you guys are you're naming a lot of differences but you guys are similar in a lot of ways yeah like in discovering your types as both being fives how how did you guys see each other in that or has it been like bonding I mean I think honestly the similarities between us were what I mean, he discovered, like, his type before I did. I think he was a little more quick to, like, think about himself in that case. But I think... Right. I Can I note that I cannot believe that you were, like, later upon reading the Enneagram, like, oh, I wonder what type I am. Most people, I think, only care about their type in the beginning. I I do think Uh, that's a uniquely five way to approach it. We got to find out all the types first for a long time. Yes, (laughs) of of course. I can't... (laughs) I like I think I almost intentionally was like not trying to look at it from any sort of personal perspective <laughs> when I was reading it for the first time She's because like opposite. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like no why would you do that because you know I don't I really didn't want to be biased yeah. towards like what I wanted to be because yeah. I think that is something that a lot of people do. Like, they'll read a certain type, like, say, two or three or seven, and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's so me. And then even if they haven't read all the types, they'll get attached to that I'm a helper. image of a type. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, I'm enthusiastic. I'm, I'm a challenger. I'm, I'm powerful. But, like, <laughs> they have, there's n- they're just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, that's why I think it's from my perspective, I was trying to approach it from like that perspective of like non-attachment. Yeah. You know, cause I think that's a lot. That's a thing that I've read about a lot in like the five, like the idea of just emotional non-attachment. Yeah. And there's something very beautiful about it. There's something very essentially like, gifting about it just Mm -hmm. not being attached and having that objective lens like we i benefit from other people who have objective lenses now jack even more so than me what i was saying earlier about about going to someone for a very clear rational opinion yeah jack would be even more so over me like especially if you were going through something and you needed somebody to like sit with a, a thought and or idea and maybe even research for you be like i want you to think about this for me for a week yeah. And I want to get your thoughts on it. And if you came back at Jack, he'd have a nice, coherent, thoughtful, objective thought about it. But I think there is something valuable to learn from like someone like you, a five wing four, because in 
like I can, I think I can be good at listening to like the emotional issues of other people, but like I have a difficult time like being sympathetic towards that just because I don't care about my emotions. You don't experience it. You're like, why are you putting so <laughs> like much thought ex- into it? Like, just sure, like- I experience emotions, but like, I don't think I could. And, you know, I, I want to try to be as empathetic as possible. But like, you know, like, I don't understand that idea of putting so much thought into your emotions, which I think is really uh important part of like the five wink four, mm. you know, and something mm. that they can really contribute, you know, like that emotional perspective that more people I think can relate to because it can be hard (laughs) to relate to just like pure rationality. And I'm not saying that I am like the embodiment of pure rationality, but you know, I think kind of seeking that. Yes. I, yes. Like, cause another thing of the social five is this idea of like something that you're glorifying. And I would like, pure rationality and that's not to undermine like the importance of emotion but like there is something there is a certain beauty to emotion i'll acknowledge that but i don't think there is i don't i like for me personally i wouldn't want to follow those as like a super important guideline. Hmm. We listened to an invisibility episode on the way home that I think if you looked at it through the lens of a five wing four or five wing six, they were, the episode was called the end of empathy. Hmm. And do you remember that episode? Did you listen? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it starts with Hannah doing a classic invisibility episode on this guy who's an incel and they're trying to, look at him through the lens of empathy mm-hmm. and they kind of succeed. And you're listening mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, 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 sure. I get it. What a great invisibility episode. And they're like, now we're going to listen to a different perspective. And it's like, this guy does not deserve our empathy. And in this sense, there probably are some spaces where the five wing six mentality is a little bit more appropriate. Like, look, I'm not getting sucked into an emotional conversation about this guy. He's, he's a bad dude. And he's like done, wronged people. Yeah, we're not going to have just, empathy for this. Yeah. You know? And of course, you can have empathy in terms of, you know, maybe the way you approach the person as a counselor in prison. You know, but we're not going to like have a podcast that glorifies empathy right. for this person. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, in that sense, again, I think it's this idea of leaning into and discerning when almost the the best or most nece- necessary voice at the table in terms of the way we see enneagram, like. Is this where is this where we really need a nine in the room to help us, or is this where we need a one, mm-hmm. or is this where we need a five wing six? Yeah, yeah. Do we need an achievement? Do we need to, to get here? some rationality up in this place? Yeah. Like that's necessary. And honestly, I mean, even if you think about it from like a spiritual tradition, like lament and the importance of that. Do we need to cry right now? Do we need to mourn? Do we mm-hmm. need to sit in our emotions? There are times. Oh yeah. And you can you can you can appeal to a five wing six's rationality in the sense of like it is scientifically good for us to cry. To cry. Yeah. You know, that's that's a that's a mm-hmm. good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's healthy. <laughs> for sure. I mean I don't say I like nothing is emotionally moving to me. It's just like I've said 
multiple times before. Like, I just don't think I care enough about my emotions, you know? Like, Like, for me, they've always been something that are just kind of there and... They're not always like they like I think something that I've tended to do is like try to make myself separate from them. You know, like those are my emotions. And then this is me, (laughs) you know, like the opposite of Macy in all ways (laughs) in my emotions. (laughs) What is self without emotions? Uh, And I think they are an important part of the self. However, I don't think that they, that your emotions simply like define you or I don't think they define who I am as a person. I think they're an important part of how I've, you know, come to be in the world. But like, I don't know. They're just not a priority like in my mind. It's not your focus of attention. M- Macy did ask, and I don't think Jack totally answered this. So. I knew you never answered the bonding vibes. Oh, yeah. yeah how, okay. how, how, how do we bond as fives around the house or in just in our daily rhythms? Or or was there like, um, you can answer any of these questions, but was there like, a, oh my gosh, yeah, like I can hardcore relate, like a relating thing with one another? I mean, yeah, I think the most like blatantly obvious thing, like when we both realized we were fives was like, we in our family, there's this thing of like me and my dad were always like the more introverted ones who would not, we didn't like surprise events. We didn't like having to see people that <laughs> just see people in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that was one of like the, like, I think that was like the first time that we really acknowledged that that was something that we had in common, you know? Because, like, I think the more the focus was on, like, oh, mom and Avery so extroverted, then they're just introverted, you know, whatever. But I think that that was something that I could really relate to him through. And, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And it's also, like, this thing of, like, really wanting to get deep into, like, the information of something, which we do through different ways because he clearly is more focused on the emotional aspects of like shows we watch together or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But I think there, we do have a common ground in that. And that's nice because, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of things i like doing with the other people in my family, but overall, like he's just better for that, you know, better for deep diving with exactly going into something. Well, it's funny, like even, and I, and I, well, we'll see, but, uh, uh, Marissa, my wife, Jack's mom, and Avery, my Good, daughter, this is Jack's a family sister, podcast at this yeah, point. Are are gone in LA right now, and um, it's a it's like a several daughters, several moms, and my wife Marissa was like, "Hey, some of the other dads are taking their sons camping while we're doing this," and I was oh, like, "No," kind of implying like. Shouldn't she be taking Jack camping? And I, and I know she really wasn't saying it. She was kind of saying it jokingly because she knows us. Yeah. But I think both Jack and I are like, I was like, would you want me to take you camping? Jack's like, no. I'm like, good, because I also don't want to go camping. And I think we, in some ways during these times, live our best life in the sense that for the next three or four days, we're really going to probably just be here at the house just doing each our thing. internally doing your thing. Yeah, I'll go on a run tomorrow. 
you know, he'll do his thing. I'll read. We'll probably watch a show in the evening. We might go out to dinner, but it's going to be really chill. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be a lot of expectations. Is that good? Oh, yes. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> you know, because that's the part of life where I do like freedom, you know, like, because, you know, it's just nice to be able to just like do whatever in life, which, you know, to some extent is not true because like there's lots of things that you definitely should not be able to do. But like it's nice to just be able to like not have to like, you know, be with people or, you know, it's nice to have a break because I feel like in life, like there is a lot of pressure from other people, which I think is helpful for me personally. But I think it is also nice to just have a space where you can just not have to like have no expectations put upon you. Mm. Yeah. And I think, I think fives in that space use it like very productively in a lot of ways. Like when they're given the space to be with themselves, Mm. it's not like they're just like, they're sitting thinking, but it's not like necessarily unproductive thinking. It's maybe some of their more productive spaces. I don't know. No, nope. deep dives a lot of things. Are you going to read some social five stuff? Should I read it? I think so. So we talked about Scott being sexual five. Jack self-identifies as of now as a social five, which is titled the totem. The totem. I oh. shall read it and we shall hear some thoughts. I shall read it. For social fives, the passion of avarice is connected to knowledge. These fives don't need the nourishment of relationships. Oh, these fives don't need the nourishment relationships provide because their passion for knowledge somehow compensates for what they might get from direct human contact. (laughs) It's as if they have an intuition that they can find everything they need through the mind. Needs for people and for emotional sustenance get displaced into a thirst for knowledge. Literally talking about eating the <laughs> the knowledge. Oh, we have already uh, talked about yikes. that. That's crazy. The name given to this subtype is totem, which communicates their need for super ideals or the need to relate to people who share the into intellectual values, interests, and ideals. The image of a totem suggests both height and character that is constructed like an object rather than a human being. <laughs> These fives do not relate to regular people in everyday life. They relate to easily idealized experts who share their ideals, to people who display that they see that they see as outstanding characteristics based on shared values and knowledge and who they can keep at a certain distance. One social five I know says he collects people who share his interests and values. Should I, is that good? Do you think that's good enough to get you going a little bit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, okay, I'm going to be completely honest. I hate this description of the social five. The one in the wisdom is so much better. Well, we should read that one then. Should we get the wisdom? Yeah, can you go get the is wisdom? It, is it upstairs? My room. It's next but what to my if bed. this is the, well. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that one's more different. What about this I don't mean, you yeah, like? Why, like, it's, a, it's the thing of like, only being able to relate to people through knowledge because that's just like, not true. Yeah, and like, you know, I feel like it almost goes against some of the social instinct. I mean, not completely, but yeah. like, like this idea that like, yes, emotionally, I think it can kind of compensate, but like, I think it's just like this description here in particular does not leave room for you to feel any attachment to 
people people at all, which I think non-attachment to some extent is good, but like it's almost like you don't need people, which I just think is wrong, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so should I read this one now? This is kind of fun because now we're comparing Beatrice to the wisdom. I know, but I know. This was the one you're going to read, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think she's reading them both because it's interesting to compare. Yeah. It is interesting to compare. Okay. <laughs> In the av- Okay, this is now from the wisdom. It's called the specialist. I don't think so we've ever done this before. So Beatrice this is kind of a fun says the totem, element. wisdom Ooh. says the specialist. Here we go. Oh, the go. specialist or the totem? Okay. In the average range, social fives engage with others and find a social niche for themselves through their knowledge and skill. They like to see themselves as masters of wisdom and want to become indispensable through their particular field of expertise. The only only person in the office who knows how to fix a computer, for example. The most intellectual type of five, social fives, are often drawn to academic science and other forms of guruhood. They play the social role of the shaman, (laughs) the wise person who lives at the edge of the tribe and brings back secret knowledge. That's fun. Social fives like to talk about weighty topics and complex theories, but they are generally uninterested in social banter. They interact with others by debating ideas, critiquing society, and analyzing trends. I don't think I'll leave it there. What do you think? Okay, I think a lot of parts of that are pretty... Solidly relatable, you know. Solidly relatable, <laughs> such like, as I think the part of like wanting to connect through others through like a niche interest that you have. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Um, and I think you know, just like wanting to bring in more knowledge and like you know, like that idea of like wanting to be like the only one who knows this certain thing. Yeah. And seeing yourself as, like, the master of wisdom, quote-unquote. I mean, that sounds great, honestly. (laughs) I think it's interesting when you think about the ideas of what instincts are and how it's kind of our instinctual way we're surviving, mashed with Mm -hmm. your type. So it's like a five in a social instinct. It's like, if I'm going to survive in this, I need to have something. So I'm going to bring knowledge to Mm -hmm. the group. And Mm -hmm. you guys can't survive. Like, you'll take care of me because you guys will need this information from me. And that's how you get your safety in a lot of ways. Because I think the social instinct, like, it's focused on getting into that, like, getting into the group. The group, yeah. Yes, because, like, it's like the mentality that, like, being in a herd will protect you. Mm -hmm. Which I think, in a small way, does kind of contradict the five which is why I think, like, the instinctual variant most associated with fives is, like, self-prez, you know? Yeah. Just like a oh, yeah, that's, like, major hermit. doubling down. Yeah, like, it's <laughs> just, like, five, just, like, amplified. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, that idea that you bring, like, uh, intellectual, like, niche to the group and, like, no one else knows about this except for you, I think, like... That's like kind of the approach that I tend to take to getting into groups. Hmm. I think that's yeah. why Jack sometimes is so scandalized by my disruption of the whole. If I'm socially blind, he's like, I'm working so hard to bring this vibe to the group and this information, and now I've got it all worked out. And I'm like, screw that. I'm gonna say something weird. <laughs> okay. Why? Why? Why are you saying this weird thing? Yes. You know? Cause like the thing is, <laughs> like, fives do have like an attraction to like, 
just like to Dark go all in with weird. things. But my dad, as someone who is not socially conscious, it just gives me so much anxiety to see him disrupting like the structure and stability that I have worked to maintain in the group, you know, like, like it, he, he just comes it, in right? I without think. warning and I have no time to prepare. Cause like for some things, like, like what you can prepare situation? for a fire, you can prepare for an earthquake, but whenever he, like, it's something, the biggest situation that concerns me is <laughs> when is like so one of my like interests is something that other people there might know about. So I'm going to like bring one of those other interests. So I have that niche interest you there. You don't want someone else to have the same interest yes, as you. Yes, that's why it almost stresses me out. Like when I like one of my parents wants to int- introduce me to someone that's like really into wine or really into food, like they know more than me. And like oh, I've I relate had that thought before. Yeah. I like I relate wow. to like the thing is like You've never a lot that. of those descriptions talk about like idealizing those kind of like experts. Yeah. But like I almost don't feel like worthy mm-hmm. existing mm-hmm. in the presence of someone who knows more than me. I feel we you. I feel different. you with that. I don't feel that, but that's good. You to don't. I. This is what I was saying about no, my inferiority no. all the time. Yeah, I get that. Don't have it, but. But I'm a social. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Social, I think that huh? is a big part of it. You know, like. <sighs> I have to work really hard to appreciate somebody's status. But I think you know? I think. Is there any motivation for you in like wanting to stand out oh, with that? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, because I don't think I at all would want to be like standing out in particular. Well, my you know? social is acting in like there's like there's something about Macy that makes them unique that we have to keep them around because we wouldn't have that if they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the the value that I'm trying to offer, I think, to society in terms of like my number and how it appears is like, well, like I'll bring some weird creativeness and uniqueness that like is interesting enough or entertaining enough or lures people in enough that that I'll get some like, Oh, we need that just to like, I don't know, like keep them around. For interesting. Like, Those, that's a, that's a new thought to me too. You guys are sharing some new thoughts tonight. Some new thoughts. Yeah. I don't know. That I mean, is I've actually... Never thought, I've never thought about you that way in, in terms of your inner motivation. That's interesting. I don't know. It is... Like, with me, it's kind of similar, just a lot less heavy on, like, the uniqueness. Yeah. Like, for me, it's just I want to be the one who knows the most. Like, I want to be that master of wisdom. I want to be the one bringing in the knowledge. I don't want other people bringing in the knowledge it's almost kind of there is like the harmonic triads this does kind of sound like a three ish thing but like it's it's like that idea of the competency triad like i want to be the competent one because i think that is what i can bring to the group that is my value to the group and if someone there knows more than me then i am no longer yes i am no longer worth she's not being in the group but it feels that but it feels that way and then we just say feelings i don't care about you (laughs) (laughs) it is so it is so great i i care about feelings (laughs) 
giving arguments. I just, well, okay, I don't care. I, I just let them pass. Kind of exist. Yeah, like they're there. Great. Cool. What am I supposed to do with that? Like, some, sure, I'll sometimes repress them. Like, with anger, I'd like to say I don't have anger, but that is probably a lie. Yeah, fear. We've all got anger. I have fear. (laughs) But, like, I do have a tendency to just, like, deny a lot of emotions, especially anger or anything that could threaten. Like the group, the status quo. Yes, the status quo. You're like stick with the status very quo, important. everybody. Yes, and I'm like, please. Which that's death. I, I just soul. don't get like, like the status. I think this is almost like a, the sixth part of it, but like without being loyal to that system of the status quo, then you're just dismantling a structure that has brought security and has worked for so long. But like, is it working? Is there better ways? Well, maybe, but why would you like, I don't think why it's are, worthwhile to like experiment with that, which I think. What about sugar balloon? As where I'm like, I don't think it's worthwhile to accept just something placed upon me. Like this structure. I didn't sign up for this structure or help create it. So Maybe it isn't serving me or serving the people. And there is some false security, potentially, or security. I mean, maybe the security. Four wing the five four. and the five <laughs> wing six debate. And I'm in the middle. <laughs> literally. Wow. You're Physically. literally in the middle. <laughs> this has been fascinating. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about the difference between us because there is that core similarity of protecting our energy. Jack and I both do get spooked around the house if, if yes. somebody springs something on us. Don't yes. like that. Um, but uh, it's interesting to think about like our fixation throughout the day because mm-hmm. I was talking about this earlier when you weren't here of saying, you know, Chris Hewitt's were saying the four and the five were the guardians of the existential gap. My big thoughts and my observations tend to be existential. Mm-hmm. What is this? What are we doing here? And it seems like yours are more practical. You yes. Know, I'm going to figure out these skills. I'm going to figure out these. So we're, we're both observing and thinking, but you're observing and thinking about some different things. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that my mind functions like it's a lot more like, you know, like organized into like, I love like categorizing stuff, You've you know, like just fitting things into different compartments. Literally as, and as early as I can remember, Jack. Uh, as early you know, that's just like the I first instinct of my brain to organize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I, I guess my dad doesn't have that same mentality, which I don't, feel like. Don't have it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been something I've been able to recognize pretty quickly because it is very clear that he does not focus on <laughs> mental organization. Now, I'm organizing different things, and we didn't talk yes, about this. Yes, that's true. I've, you know, the thing I've deep-dived the most of my life is theology, but that's more big ideas. That's not really categorized and systematic. And you I know, really yeah. like systematic I, I cannot do nearly as well as he can with those big ideas, mm-hmm. mm. you know? Like, I, I, I prefer just to get more and more, like, specific. Like, 
the you big could idea if you set your mind to it. It's just not your passion. Yes, I, I don't. I'm not nearly as interested in those big ideas. Yeah. I do think you're naming something just in terms of the way you guys are both observing and deep diving. But it seems like you're deep diving almost like it's hard to describe this with words, but like a funnel getting inner and closer, uh-huh. and it's like narrowing as where you're going outward. Like it's getting Great bigger image. and bigger, Excellent and it's yes. like so you're both deep diving, but you're getting to something a specific point as where you're like out wow. here and th- that's profound. Out yes, that's that profound. is a great <laughs> analogy yeah. for it. Thank you. Guys. Make a visual of that this week. Some some visual we can po- post. Um, this question popped to my brain and we can cut it out if you guys don't want to answer, but oh I mostly want to ask Jack, how do you know. feel? <laughs> I don't even know how to ask this question, yeah. but what do you think about colors? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what? a great Macy question. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm what do I think? Of, like what, when you think of colors, cause you were talking about organizing and categorizing and it made me think of colors. And I just wonder if this is, this is, like you're clearly naming it. You're not seeing things very much in terms of colors. I think that stumps both I mean, of us. Even they, <laughs> they look nice. <laughs> you know, I, I have a taste for like things that look good together. If something doesn't look good together, I want to fix it. I do think I have a decent amount of one in me. And I do want to fix anything I think is wrong. And I think that colors look wrong together. Like, you know. Give me a few examples. Like, um, okay. It depends on the context, too. It's just certain colors are meant for certain things. And they should not. It sounds really bad because it sounds like it could, like apply to other things, but the colors should not leave what they're supposed to represent. They should not go anywhere else. What do you mean? Uh, 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 I don't know. It's almost, yes. Oh no. I need need a detail. I need a picture. Certain colors are right for certain things. Like for like, I don't know. Like peace or like blue would should not be associated with anger. Yes. That's just wrong. Don't do it. It's false. It's not false. <laughs> it's false. It's just wrong. You can't <laughs> say it represents something else because it shouldn't. Why not just have it represent that? Like, like blue why represents like peace or blue represents calm, sadness. sadness. Blue represents yeah. calm. It it, that's what it kind of goes anger. with. Why does it need Passion. to represent Passion. anything else? Like even the idea that colors represent something, they're just light bouncing off of things. Like, like, if they are representing something, why do they like it should be something a specific thing? It's one thing, and they should not no, be representing anything Holy else. I knew. I sensed that a color question will be I know. good. I mean, like Macy the thing is, I just color. I just emotion. struggle seeing color as anything like particularly emotional. If I don't like it, I change it. What's your favorite color? Favorite color? I got to go with. Either blue or green. That's the classic five answer. Blue or green, mm, I feel like. We need some peace in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> no, also, green is the most, like, um, our eyes have the most ability to see shades and differences in green. Didn't know that. Which I think makes sense for a five. Or, yeah, five energy. Now, we all meet at five. We all meet at five. The three of us in this room. It's true. So we could all... Uh, just deep dive things all day. <laughs> we could do we that. all relate to that in our way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been more than we thought we'd get from Jack tonight, and I'm sensing, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing. Sadly, we could keep going. I know. But we do I need know. to end. 
Um, we need to end everybody because it's late. We are humans that I need to wake up. So early Macy in the has to wake up at six thirty tomorrow. <laughs> humans are almost weak. eleven. Macy, everybody, are you feeling sad for Macy? We thought we'd get 15 minutes of material out of Jack, but now I wish we would have really made a whole episode. But we did get some good stuff. We got some great stuff. I think this is going to be helpful for people out there. Like, just in explaining and naming the the complexity of the Enneagram and and why we I keep coming back to it and finding value in it is that a year ago, two years ago, you guys were bonding over fives. We're so similar. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of similar fun things, but. I mean, it's so complex. It's very clear. We're all experiencing things so differently. And this is yeah. such helpful language to name the, the intricate ways. We're There's a lot of differences things. in all the numbers. You can, the numbers. A lot of differences amongst fours, you know. Um, and I don't think I've ever heard a, an episode as much as we've binged so many podcast episodes. I don't think there is an episode that I've listened to that is a five wing four and a five wing six talking about their differences. Yeah. So this is cool. I hope. I hope people find it and like it and find it beneficial and spread the word. Tell people about it. Post it on your social media. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> uh, I right. think I'll read The Emergence of Essence. Because I don't think we read this at the last one. Maybe not. Yeah. And it's nice to end with a little something. We love, yeah. This is from The Wisdom, The Emergence of Essence. We're going to end with this one, everybody. And then we're calling it a night. Um, don't know what we're talking about next week. We'll figure it out. <laughs> nice. We're tired right now. We have a lot of time to figure it out. Um, also, we do have... Enneagram episodes every five. So maybe we'll come back with a four episode soon. Here comes the emergence of essence. This is meant to be sort of a blessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The five's drive for knowledge and mastery is the personality's attempt to recreate an essence quality that we might call clarity or inner knowing. With clarity comes the essential quality of non-attachment, which is not emotional repression or detachment, but the lack of identification with any particular point of view. Fives understand that any position or idea is useful only in a very limited set of circumstances, perhaps only in the unique set of circumstances in which they arose. Inner guidance allows them to flow from one way of seeing things to another without getting fixated on any of them. Liberated fives remember the spaciousness and clarity of the divine mind, what the Buddhists call the shining void, or a sinyata the quiet, undisturbed vastness from which everything arises, including all knowledge and creativity. They long to return to an experience of the void because it was once their home, as it was, from the Buddhist perspective, the origin of everyone and everything in the world. This longing to return to the void, side note, reminding me of a Beach House song that we all like, (laughs) Elegy to the Void, this longing to return to the void must be understood properly, however since it is not the emptiness of oblivion, but the emptiness of a glass of pure water or of a perfect blue sky. Everything else is possible because of their emptiness. In this state, they are liberated from the belief that they are cut off from everyone and everything, and instead, they directly experience their underlying connection with everything around them. Further, this emptiness and non-attachment does not mean that fives are removed from their feelings. On the contrary, They can be deeply touched by a sunset or the feeling of a breeze or by the beauty of a human face. They are feel to free and experience everything while recognizing that everything they behold is temporary, a fleeting gift from a universe of infinite bounty. Seeing more profoundly into the truth of the human condition, they feel great compassion for the suffering of others and are willing to share not only the riches of their minds, but also the depths of their own hearts.